You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. We are in Boston Brady, and um, we have been looking at heroes of the Bible that we don't talk about very much. And today we're talking about one that I think maybe we don't talk about because nobody wants to actually pronounce his name. Um, it's Tychicus. And my husband told me all kinds of ways I shouldn't say it. So now smart money is that I will say it badly because I don't know. Uh, but this is a fascinating guy in the Bible. He is, you know, at first glance, he looks just like a mailman. He delivered four of Paul's letters to the churches that he wrote them to. And um, he looks like that's just what he did. And then he went back home. But it's, it, it is a different situation. Communication was a totally different animal in the Near East in the first century than it is today in our fast as speed of light communication. And we are fast communicators now, yeah? I think dangerously fast. And I think, it's, I think it's difficult and troubling sometimes the way that we communicate. Anyone ever been misunderstood over text or email? We, we talked about it in our speaking team meeting and about problems that you can face with the ability to communicate with a lot of people super fast. And one person said that he, he sent an email to his boss about an employee that they were talking about firing and forgetting that the employee they were talking about firing was the gatekeeper of the boss's email. So that was not cool. Um, I remember once sending a, a getting a, a reply, a email to all of the people that worked at the company I was at, talking about a policy change that I didn't like. And so I forwarded it to my boss and told him my true feelings about the policy change, except I didn't. I hit reply all and talked about that. That was cool. Um, <laughs> there's a lot that can go wrong in fast communication, and there's a lot can, that can go wrong in communication where you can't see the meta message, where you don't know how somebody is saying it, their tone of voice, their inflection. Their, all you have to kind of piece together are like punctuation marks and emojis and stuff. I mean, Paul would have, like, what? <laughs> Maybe there are little smiley faces in the Greek. Do you think there are some in the, I don't know. But I, I read this morning about a, a woman who sent her mother a message telling her the, a tragic about a tragic death of one of her friends. And the mom sent back the, the sweet message, LOL. And the daughter was like, Mom, what are you, why are you laughing at that? This person was really important to me. She goes, oh, I didn't mean to. I thought it meant love, lots of love. <laughs> LOL means lots of love, right? Um, that's, that's just a, that's a little tip to my generation, but know the abbreviations before you use them. Just know exactly what they mean. Uh, so there's just a lot that can go wrong in the way that we communicate now. And in, in the time when the Bible was written, there was a process that was intentional. It was painstaking and it took a long time. And I think that it's right. Um, when, the, when Paul would write his letters, actually, it, this was throughout the ancient world. This is how they communicated. They could only communicate through messenger. There wasn't even, you know, postal service. In fact, every day when the, po when the postal guy, mailman is what we call him, I think, mail person, um, pulls up in front of my house, I'm like, we still have a postal system? These people still send letters and stuff? That's crazy. I know we have Amazon, but do we have a postal system? But so Paul didn't have that. So he would write a letter and he would give that letter to a messenger. Not just any messenger. The messenger had to be a certain quality of person. 
Um, Tychicus was one of those people. Phoebe is the one who delivered the message to the Romans. Uh, there were these messengers. Onesimus probably delivered the, the letter about him to Philemon. Um, so there are these messengers that are in charge of taking not just the content of the message, but they're also in charge of communicating the heart of the message and the heart of the writer. They would take the letter and they would wait till that body of people was gathered together. And then they would read the letter to them word for word. And then they would say, and this is what Paul wants you to know. This is how he's doing in prison. This is what you could pray for. They would encourage them with hope that things were going to get better. And so this reliability, this, this ability to be, to take time to communicate, I think is so important. And I honestly think that every one of us, every one of us is called to this exact ministry. The ministry of being a reliable narrator of the gospel and the heart of Jesus Christ. Not just the gospel, not just the content of the message, but the heart of the message and how Jesus is and how Jesus communicates it. Tychicus was that kind of messenger. Um, <clears throat> it says in Ephesians, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful messenger in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. And I love this idea that he could trust him. This was a trustworthy communicator. He was going to give them exactly what Paul wrote. He wasn't going to fix it. He wasn't going to share it from his own perspective. He said, this is what Paul said, and this is how I see him doing. And then he says he was also an encourager. And this is worth noting because they are living in an era that is not at face value, at all encouraging. This is not a safe time to be a Christian. This is not a pleasant time to be a Christian. This is a time where it's every head bowed and every eye closed. You raise your hand, it could cost you your life. This is a big, big moment. And so Paul wanted to know that the messenger that delivered his message was going to be both faith-fueled and hope-filled. He wanted the messenger to be able to go and say, here's what is truth, and here's why you should love living it out. And for my money right now, I am insisting on hope-filled, faith-fueled messengers myself. I don't want to listen to a messenger who has disembodied the gospel of Jesus Christ from the way of Jesus Christ. I don't want to listen to a, a messenger that tells me the gospel in a way that communicates hate or bitterness or I, I just don't want to do it anymore. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 11, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it too easily. I am worried about you, that if you get a different message, a message that's been taken at where the heart of Jesus has been taken out of the story of Jesus, that you're going to put up with that. He doesn't say hate that messenger, but don't put up with that kind of message. And don't be that kind of messenger. 
This is a moment, I think, for the church to rise up and be hope-filled, faith-fueled messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that says what? Christ died for sinners. The God of the whole universe loved us so much that he sent his one and only beautiful son. It's good, good news. So Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Now, I'm sending him for him to tell you about our circumstances. What are those? They're locked up in prison. They don't know if they're going to live or die. They're facing a death sentence. They're fiercely persecuted by, a, by a, an empire that is really, really evil. And yet, I'm sending him to tell you about the circumstances and to encourage your hearts. Both those things can be true at once. That the circumstances are bad, but the gospel is good. So, I keep adding to the word here. <laughs> he is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. This is, that's a loaded sentence. I don't get to cover the life of Onesimus, but that's a loaded sentence. They will tell you everything that is happening here. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, See to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Isn't this funny? He's, he's sending this to the church at Colossae. And it would be like if I told you guys, please, would everyone just tell Steve Mickle that he needs to take the trash out every Wednesday? He's telling the whole church to tell Archippus this message. I, it's just funny to me. Um, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So here we see Tychicus as a dear brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant. And the last time Paul writes about him, he says Tychicus is a uh, faithful servant. And so he uses totally different words in these, in these letters. One time he calls him like a waiter or a servant to him. And then the next time he calls him a minister, a co-laborer in the gospel of Jesus Christ, a co-slave to the same king. So Tychicus now is not just delivering the word of Paul, he's delivering the word of God. He is the same kind of container that Paul is of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is God's mouthpiece and not just Paul's mouthpiece. And then in 2 Timothy 4, he says, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring my coat and my scrolls, especially the parchments. I, this passage is always hard for me to read because I feel like we have this idea in contemporary Christian culture that the favor of God looks good. It's just always going to look like the promotion comes through or the diagnosis works out or things go our way or whatever. And there's a little hashtag that I'm telling you what I loathe. Favor ain't fair. Loathe it. Like favor ain't fair. I married the beautiful girl. God would never want me to marry an ugly girl. I mean, I hate this idea because we look at the, one of the fathers of our faith saying, I am right dead center in the middle of the will of God, but it is cold in prison. I need my coat. It'd be nice to have a friend, but they've all pretty much walked away. 
This is also God's favor. This is also what favor looks like. It's just not what favor feels like. And so we see this faithful ministry of Paul's messenger who doesn't just encourage people through the words of Paul. He encourages Paul. The, the job of the messenger was just not just to read the letter to the church, but also to wait for their response and take it back to the writer. This is how the church at Colossae is doing. This is what they say. Probably take a gift from them back to Paul. The messenger was really important, and so are you. It's really important, I think, that we learn from the lives of the messengers of the Bible. One reason is because they're the reason we have the Bible. They're the reason we get to read it. And, and I want to just mention, too, that we read the Bible now without a messenger. We don't have Tychicus in front of us telling us what Paul meant. I often wish we do because I think we would interpret differently. But what we do is we invite the Holy Spirit to be the reliable narrator of the word of God. Let's don't try to read the Bible disembodied from the presence of God. It's, it's important. I just read in John 5 yesterday where Jesus said, you know the Bible back and forth, but you don't know the heart of it. And so we have to invite this faithful Holy Spirit messenger to, to interpret the word to us. So what do we learn from Tychicus? The first thing is some errands are eternal. Sometimes the thing we do on the way to somewhere else ends up being the main thing. The thing we do that's the small thing ends up being the big thing. And, and it's not, some errands aren't. I mean, he picks up these letters and they become, they, we own them, we have them, except we don't have the letter to the Laodiceans because that one, it's so, do we know if things are eternal or not? No, nope. We just say the yes. We say the right yeses and trust God with the results. And so we partner with the Holy Spirit in our world to deliver the message of grace and hope and life. We keep our eyes on what's eternal or what might open the door to the eternal, knowing that we're not going to know it much in advance. We're really just not. Um, when I, before I was born, my parents and my two older sisters lived in Port Arthur, Texas. They were really poor pastors of a tiny little church. And... Um, they found themselves without food and without money. And they just prayed and said, God, we are without food and without money. My mom had had a few pieces of bread left and no butter. And so she toasted them and spread them with shortening for my sisters so that they would be shiny and it would maybe fool them into thinking that they were rich enough to have butter. And um, <clears throat> so my dad left in the morning and went to meet with a, a parishioner and he came back carrying a bag of groceries and he said this woman came to me and she gave me these groceries and my mom starts unpacking it and she's so excited that she's got food for her kids food for her kids but she had prayed that morning god i just need butter if it just had butter and she gets to the bottom of the bag and there is half a cube of butter in the bag, half a cube. And my sister was just talking to me about this the other day, and she goes, I remember mom standing over the counter, leaning over the counter and weeping, saying, God heard me. God heard me. Later on, the woman found my mom at church, and she said, I'm so embarrassed about that butter. I'm just so embarrassed. I, I felt I got to, I was just pulling things out of my fridge, and I, I saw the half a cube of butter, and I was like, it's a half a cube. And God was like, no, put it in the bag. And I felt like, oh, that's stupid. No, I'll go buy them butter. I'll go buy them. All. And God was like, nope, she needs the butter. 
And so she's like, I just, I'm so embarrassed, but I just put it in the bag. And it was, it was, it, it remains a sign to my family. It's marked my family. Even my kids can tell you the story of the half a cube of butter. It's marked us. Now, as a narrator of the way Jesus shows up in our moments and speaks our language, I could tell you this is a story about how God barely provides. It's half a cube. We couldn't send even a whole cube of butter. But that is not the heart of what Jesus did for my family. Because my parents communicated that story to me in such a beautiful way, in such a God-honoring, life-giving way, there have been countless moments in my life, even though I didn't even live the story, there have been countless moments in my life where I have said, God, who provides the half a cube of butter, you can meet my need now. You will show up for me on time now. I only know his care is flawless. I also know it's often not in advance. It's daily bread, daily butter. Um, but it's, that's an eternal story for us. That story will ripple out onto the shores of eternity. And all the woman did was stick the half a cube of butter in a bag. She was a communicator of the love of Jesus Christ for our family. There are one trillion ways you can do this. There are a million ways you can become a messenger, a container for the good news of the love of God for the world in which we live. And right now, it stands out. Right now, every good thing you do, there's like an arrow, a shining light on it because it's, we don't see it very much right now. So know that some errands are eternal. Know that every day there's the opportunity to hear God and say, what can I do today that's going to ripple up onto the shores of eternity? And then the other thing is we just got to slow down. I think we have to. It, fast is not more effective. We act like we've made so many strides and so many advances. And I am telling you, I feel like so many of our, our advances are killing us and killing our ability to stop and listen and respond adequately to the words that God is saying to us. That the word to the words that God wants to speak through us. I want to slow down and hear him in our get stuff done, work faster, better, harder, set goals and hustle, hustle, hustle. I worry that we'll miss the miraculous hidden inside of the mundane. So much is happening all around us all the time. And I don't know that the message of the gospel you speak is always going to look like the Romans road. I don't know. There's a day I went and I don't know. This is a weird story. I'm going to decide real quick whether to, I'm going to say it. Um, we were, <laughs> I went to a fast food restaurant one day and I was waiting in line and the woman at the counter, there were like all these like 13 year olds working in there, just super Super, like, little girls. <laughs> they were cute little girls working in there. And then at the cash register, there was a woman probably older than me. And and she, I just looked at her and I thought, that's a woman who has seen a lot in her day. And she is beautiful. There's a, there's a beauty about her and a sadness about her. But there's a beauty about her. And I felt like, you should tell her she's beautiful. I was like, mm, that's weird. No, that's not, I'm not going to do that. And I got up there, and it just wouldn't leave me alone. It's just like that, you got to say. And so I, she takes my order, and I say, I'm, this is, 
I know this is going to be weird, but you're just beautiful. You're lovely. And she was like, oh, thanks, crazy lady. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I walk on, and I'm sitting at the end uh, waiting for my order, and I look up at her, and she's just wiping tears from her face. The gospel, and it's not enough. You didn't tell her she was a sinner. I think it's enough right now. I think that was the moment that was the, the place where she was. It's the language of God spoken over a world that he loves. I don't love the world like he does. I don't. I hate so many people right now. <laughs> and so I was being honest with him about that recently, and I was just like, God, I hate so many people. And... I don't know how you put up with people because you can see inside them and gross. It's gross inside me. It's got to be gross inside everyone, and I'm so sorry for you. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, oh, Bo, if you could see inside people, you would hate so fewer people. If you could see what I see, you would know why I love them, why I believe in them, why I want every person. Like, I'm not willing that any single person does not feel loved. I'm not willing for anyone to perish. Not willing. It's not okay. And so I want to get better at love. Um, but we have to slow down in order to truly see people and truly see where they're at and truly see their heart and hear their words and hear their voice and hear their words without trying to come up with a response. Hear their words without trying to fix their words. Just hear them and respond in the way that Jesus says to respond. And then the other thing a reliable narrator is, is trustworthy. I love a trustworthy friend. I just love a trustworthy friend. Um, Paul uses the word faithful when he speaks about Tychicus. And faithful means uh, remaining loyal or steadfast. And it also means true to the facts or the original story. Stick with the story. Whenever you get caught in the game of telephone, things get crazy, right? So we want to be loyal and steadfast communicators of the gospel of Jesus. And that means loyal to Jesus. We want to be available to him. We want to ask him, how can I help you today? What do I need to set aside in order to focus on your agenda? What is the best use of the minutes I have at my disposal today? How do I invest my time and my love, my money in your kingdom? Being faithful means just keeping your word and keeping your commitments. We don't, we don't want to be the kind of narrators who say it with one, in one breath, God is faithful and wonderful and true, and, and, and then we're the people that don't show up. We're the people that don't pay our bills and don't, you know, don't show up on time. We're not reliable. But faithful also means true to the facts or the original. What are the facts? The facts of the gospel. We hold this message deeply and dearly in our hearts. Christ died for sinners. That is the gospel. And when I keep that message at the front of what I see and do and believe about people, when I keep it at the front, that this is someone Christ died for, the person who cuts me off in traffic, the person who checks me out at Target, the person who annoys me, when, uh, when I keep that in first position, my kids, my spouse, my world, Christ died while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. 
when I know that that is the baseline message of the gospel, it changes the way I carry it into my world. It ought to change the way I treat people, the way I see people, the way I love people. It ought to change that when I keep when I stay faithful to the original message. But then we start to try to write all these other things into the original message. We try to write in how I want you to talk and how I want you to dress and how I want you to live and how I want you to vote and how I want you to do all these things. But the original message is Christ died for sinners. And I'm going to stay faithful to the original message of the gospel. And then a good messenger is hopeful. Because that is the very heart of the gospel. A gospel without hope is not the gospel at all. It is some other message. It is, a, it is the message of dead religion. A gospel without hope is nothing at all. Do you feel short on hope? I have. You find yourself in a season where it's hard to hope and it feels like all sorts of discouragement is getting tangled up in the message. Paul knew you would be that way. He knew you would feel that way. He wrote this in Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced. Listen, this sentence is bananas. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points <laughs> to remind you of them. Paul's writing this in Romans. He wrote Romans to fix them. But in the middle of it, he says, but I am convinced that you are full of goodness and able to communicate that goodness to other people in your path. You can do it. You were built for this. You were born for this. And if there is a churning in your spirit about why am I not satisfied, maybe it's this, because this is what you're called to. This is what we're all called to, to be a communicator whose words overflow with hope for a world that is dying without it. Being a faithful messenger, I think, is our highest calling. I am convinced that you are full of goodness and hope. And I am convinced that you are able to deliver this message of hope to the world in which you are planted. Don't have a Bible college degree? Doesn't matter. Don't feel like a good communicator? Doesn't matter. You can live the gospel as easily as you can speak it. It can be lived just as effectively. You have a message and your life is the meta message. The message is the gospel. Your life communicates, does the gospel have hope? Is the gospel good? Is it good news? Is there a place for me in that story? I'm going to pray with you this morning. Paul also said, we have this treasure in jars of clay that the goodness and the power of God would be of him and not of us. And I loved what Pastor Steve said about not taking on a disproportionate amount of the problem. The gospel is not a problem to solve. It's good news to be lived. And so, Jesus, we <clears throat> bring our frail, fragile jars of clay to you today. We understand that we all already contain this message, and we want to be faithful, reliable narrators. 
We want to be people who can tell the story of your goodness, tell the story of your grace, tell the story of forgiveness that goes beyond our deepest, darkest places. Help us, God, the ones of us who have lost hope in the message. For those who are just on the, the, the very edge of feeling like I'm ready to walk away from this whole thing because it's so contentious or it's so not what I thought, God, I ask that you would remind us again of the baseline message, you died for us. And God, for those who have no hope in their own ability to be a good container or they feel like they've messed up too much or they feel like it's too late, God, I thank you for the gift of looking at Onesimus and knowing it isn't too late. There's always, there's always a day, every day, we have an opportunity to communicate, to be a container of this message. Show us the next step. Show us the right move. Show us exciting ways to become people who live on purpose, who overflow with hope. In your name we pray, amen.